Hey everybody, as the latest installment of Scream is now in theaters, revisit the masterful scores from the horror franchise's first four films with the Scream original motion picture soundtracks box set. That is right, it's available in four LPs or six CDs. Each collection is housed in a unique jacket which folds out into a ghost face mask. Do not use that to kill people. You will get caught. This isn't the movies. No murders. No murders. Speaking of the new film, the brand new score can also be ordered today on vinyl in a reflective mirror board jacket. Or on CD or digital formats if you want to be more pedestrian about it. But, you know. Mm. Sometimes you just want to listen to horror music. I get it. You can own the musical legacy of Scream right now. Visit your favorite retailer or shop the label store directly at VerezSaraband.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-E-S-A-R-A-B-A-N-D-E.com, where KingCast listeners can save 20% off for a limited time with the code SCREAM20 at checkout. All one word. Pick that shit up, folks. And uh, also, while we have your ear, I would like to remind you about our benevolent overlords at Fangoria. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years since, and Fangoria is better than ever. Not only because Eric and I are now writing for it pretty regularly. Each issue brings you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. Head to Fangoria.com to learn more and to, you know, subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KINGCAST to save 25% off your yearly subscription. Now on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello, and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name is Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We have a very exciting episode for you this <laughs> week, folks. Some months ago, we brought today's guest onto the show. And uh, he walked us through his very first experience with with Stephen King in watching Brian De Palma's Carrie. And at that time, we invited him to maybe also take a look at Maximum Overdrive at the same time. That seemed like a a film he might enjoy. And sure enough, uh, he checked it out. And he is back here today to talk to us about it. You've seen him in Pitch Perfect 2, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Good Place, and of course, uh, over on YouTube as well as in last summer's The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, where he played the villainous Javelin. He is back today to talk to us about Maximum Overdrive, as I already said. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage again, Mr. Flula Borg. Flula, how are you doing today? Wow, hello, Eric. Hello, Scott. I'm very great. Happy New Year's, a happy one for you guys. How are Indeed. you? Indeed. Was yours, was yours happy? It was mediocre, yes. Mm. <laughs> what did you, uh, what did you do with your... That's good by, by uh, current oh, time standards, actually, that's having true. a mediocre New Year's. Absolutely. I can count zero digits that were exploded due to cracky fires. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, zero fires in my uh, eye width and eye range that I observed mm-hmm. uh, from, my, from my abode, and so I think that's safe. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sure... 
what you just communicated there at the end. Were, were fireworks a problem in your area this year? No, well, in Germany, I live in America now, it's, but it's confusing. Um, in Germany, when we have the firecrackers, people go crazy. It's not a calm time. It does feel like <laughs> a war zone. Uh, the the, the ding-dongs and, as we say, dipshits uh, with these firecrackers, they will try to like shoot them at you and they think that's a ha-ha fun time. Uh, and I can assure you, no, it's not a ha-ha fun time. Uh, I like no. to watch. No, no, no. You guys have your 4th July 4. Everyone's, it's America's birthday. She came out of Ben Franklin's vagina at the, on this day or whatever. That's so, correct. Yeah. That's correct. That's very fun to watch. It's like from the distance, it's like on a boat and everyone's staring at the boat as the boat explodes the crackies. But in Germany, they're like, it feels it feels scary. It feels like an episode of, of that film with the helicopters and the alleys. Uh, starring uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> the fucking Black Hawk Down? Maybe. Put, no. No, no, it's like ple- present, my clear, my danger oh, clear is... clear and present danger. Right. My present danger is clear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the night and goggles at the end. And the, yeah. Well, what are they, what are they celebrate? Like when the firecrackies go off over in Germany, what are they celebrating in particular? I if we have July 4th, what are y'all doing? Uh, well, it is a New Year. Silve- we call it Sylvester, which I know sounds like that bird from the cartoons, but that's what we call yes. it the night before. It's just called Sylvester. There's no Tweety. Uh, and we just are using, I think it's like that film, uh, The pur- Purging, with The Purging, with the like, hey, everyone, no rules, just right. Outback Steakhouse tonight, and everyone just kills each other. Yes. Except this time it's like, hey, no rules, just right. Everyone shoot a firecracky at other people's appendages. Let's do it. So it's you're not, literally using them as weapons, I like am a not. Roman candle fight. Yes, I I think this is a terrible <clears throat> idea. But my memories as as a child is that this is what people did. So I always think, no, oh, Sylvester, let everyone stay home, wear a turtleneck, don't go out. Mm. That does happen here though, because I remember when I was a kid, uh, my my folks had like a, a lake house on Lake Texoma, nice. which is on the border of like Texas, Oklahoma. So uh, imagine the worst place you can. Okay. And um, I once saw two drunk rednecks have a, a Roman candle fight on top of a dam out oh. of that lake. Okay. And uh, that is, I'm going to tell you, that's something you, you never forget if you ever get the chance to see something like that. Was that part of the blue collar comedy tour or what was happening? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Jeff Dunham, I believe, oh, and okay. uh, uh, Foxworthy. It was the two yeah. Jeffs. The two, yeah, yeah. And Vince Vaughn was watching Jeffs. on. Right. Who's watching? Yes. Yeah. Uh, saying witty things. Um, so just <laughs> so you say Texoma and not Oclexus, just to understand. Yeah, I think I think when it came time to name it, they went with the the more succinct version. Is probably what happened there. Okay, if I well, had to guess, hashtag Oclexus. If anyone's listening, I think we should consider <laughs> right. it. How about your summer last year? I mean, javelin fever gripped the nation, the nation. in the wake of. The Suicide Squad's release. Yes. Um, how, how was it for you to live through that period? Well, live and, of course, die. But yes, um, you know, the nation you're referring to, of course, is Liechtenstein, uh, where uh, <laughs> I became an honorary mayor uh, for three days, 72 hours. It's like holding the Stanley Cup, except uh, three times longer, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fun time. You know, I enjoyed to have some blonde hairs that were also curly. I enjoyed to have the excusing of to uh, insert muscles into my body in legal ways using just protein and screaming. And so this was fun. And I'm excited for more of this. Is Javelin, there a... Yeah, go ahead. Real Eric, quick, please. Javelin like, ended up being like really the emotional core of that movie, which I had no expectation of right. that being so going in. Uh, 
And I mean, listen, I, I didn't figure Javelin's days were were very long at the beginning of that movie. That's just not how those movies work. Of course. Uh, but the, the the fact that you are represented through your weapon that you bequeath to Harley Quinn throughout the entire movie, like Pete Davidson didn't have a representation throughout the rest of the movie, but you did. You know, I don't know. I thought that was really, really sweet. And, and I was very happy for you that, that you got to have that nice little quiet emotional moment there. Thank you very much. I felt the same. It was like if you've ever watched the Teletubbies, um, in the morning, the baby sun comes up from the valley and is giggling <laughs> as the tubbies dance. And I felt like I was the Teletubby baby sun uh, representing throughout the film. I was I was re-watching this just a couple of days ago. I, Tele- I love the Teletubbies? No, 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 no. You're the movie. <laughs> also, uh, the okay. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I fucking loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. The question that I came away with is, what is it like to be slapped by Margot Robbie? Um, well, what happens is if you say Robbie, she'll slap you twice and say it's Robbie, which I did, mm. by the way. It took me three times. So it's like, Ruby, slap. Robbie, slap. <laughs> Robbie, no slap. So that was very nice. Um, it was wonderful. You know, anytime I am either eating the snacks in the snack station or in part of a scene for a film are the two highlights of my life, uh, excluding, of course, bowel movements and sleeping. So a very wonderful time. Uh, I would love to do it more. Uh, we can do a rewrite of just like an extended slapping scene. If anybody wants to write that and submit it to James, I would be up for it. Yeah, you are uh, Peacemaker, the the series that's coming up on HBO Max. That's a prequel thing, right? I think it's a postquel. Um, oh. Yeah, not to make a spoil, but everyone cover your eardrums. Um, but a Peacemaker is in the end of the credits of the Suicide Squad. He's not uh, deceased. And so this is now, oh, I, I killed that one guy, you know, Joel Kinnaman. Whoopsie, you know, Rick Flagg. I feel sad. Like this, I'm giving mm-hmm. no things away. This was in the trailer. So no, it's a post-pool. Yes. yes. And so it's like after what has occurred in the Suicide Squad, now Pacemaker must go do his things. So there's no <laughs> chance of you appearing on that show then? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you I was not on set for the shooting of the season. But listen, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to green screen a Teletubby baby son into any uh, show. <laughs> That's what I always say, too. I, th- I think right? you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like Die Hard is missing only one thing, and it's a Teletubby baby son at the end. Mm. As was falling. <laughs> so, you know. The last time you were here, you talked about Carrie, as we yes. already mentioned. Yes. And your rundown of the plot of Carrie I think has, has become somewhat iconic with a certain breed of, of horror fan. Oh, uh, did I'm you, sorry about this. I apologize to everyone. Had, did you not hear oh, from anyone hear. about this? Because we certainly heard about this from people. I'm a man who like, I think I'm from the Game of Thrones times. Like I will, when I say something, it's like the, a raven is has the message. And then I like mm-hmm. I say goodbye to mm-hmm. the raven. And then mm-hmm. I'd like start doing Sudoku and never check other ravens. So I am not aware of this. I'm hopeful no one was damaged by my synopsis. So I apologize if that's what occurred. No, what we were hearing were things like, this is the best description of Carrie we've ever heard. This man clearly understands Carrie better than any of us ever have. Uh, I am ready okay. to lay down my life for Javelin. We were hearing things like this for, for some time. Great. And Please forward me the emails and addresses of these people so I may write them thank you letters and appreciation <laughs> songs. Very well. How much do you actually know about 
the production of Maximum Overdrive. Uh, well, you have told me it was the first of the films that Stephen King uh, has made. Yes. Um, and so I know this. Uh, I know uh, also that uh, it's like the, the rough of the premises. I kind of know it. Um, and that's it. So maybe maybe this is a good opportunity for me and Eric to tell you a little bit more about how this movie oh. got made. Oh, exciting. And, and then we'll get into it. To, to your reaction about it. How about oh, that? Yeah, wunderbar. I would, yeah, please, of course. Educate me, please. I'm a sponge. Bethy, <laughs> where do we even start on this? Um, I think it's important to start with Dino De Laurentiis. All things begin with Dino. And mm. uh, Dino De Laurentiis was this like larger-than-life producer, even though I say that and he was like five foot nothing. He was a teeny tiny man. Ah. But he he barely, barely spoke king. English. Uh, but he was very ambitious and was actually kind of the best of what producers can be in a weird way, even though his like legacy isn't what I would call uh, shining for, for the most part. Uh, But he he was able to always dream big. So like, he's the one who produced the, the 76 King Kong uh, remake or David Lynch's Dune, David Lynch's Dune. Ah. Yeah. And, and he got in early on the Stephen King train. And oh, nice. so he produced uh, Silver Bullet. He produced Firestarter. He produced... Oh, wait, the Prodigy album? Yes. yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Very the originator well of that. Ah, okay. um, and he produced Cat's Eye. And, and then he, of course, produced uh, Maximum Overdrive at the same time that uh, I, I believe Dino... <laughs> he was producing um, Blue Velvet, right? With with Lynch at the same time in Wilmington. Yes, I think that's the... That is correct. They were the shooting thing. at the same time. Ah. So so okay. he's this, got these crazy amounts of uh, projects, all varied, all different. And by all accounts, he was a huge personality and uh, kind of a dickhead and kind of a loving, you know, beautiful man, depending on who you talk to in which situation, um, nice. you know, but that's kind of, you know, the job of a, of a giant, like crazy eccentric producer that's able to wrangle these kind of things. And so I know the origin of this is still kind of in dispute, depending on when you ask King at different periods of times, it's either Dino persuaded him to do it and chased him down to do it or you know, he demanded that he wanted to direct his own thing if he was going to be involved with this, mm-hmm. this new project. Ah. So he, he's answered that a couple of different ways over the years, and I'm not exactly sure which one's the real one. But, you know, this is kind of Stephen King at the height of his powers in the mid 80s where, you know, he was just kind of king shit and printing gold wherever he went. And uh, he wanted to do a movie and uh, he wanted to direct and, uh, you know, and that's Stephen uh, King the, shit. how okay. all this kind of began. Right. Yeah. What's what's really important to keep in mind here, Flula, yes. while you're imagining all this is that Dino De Laurentiis is like picture Uncle Junior from The Sopranos, only very tiny and he's screaming. At all times. <laughs> okay. And he has a lot of money. That's that's Dino. Ah, okay. Uh, Uncle Junior is the bald man with the square glasses. Yes. Uh, who's also, I think, in Father God, Godfather as well. Possibly. Mm. Yes, he is. Okay, great, actually. great. Okay, Were great. you a Sopranos watcher, by the way? I, I watch a little bit of it, yeah. I like uh, the first episode where they're like, hey, we are in that office cubicle region. Let's hit that man outside of the window and just kick him very hard. <laughs> And then I don't remember what is why, but then the man, uh, they entered the automobile and drove away. Yes. That and then sounds there were like birds, the ducks, also ducks. Yes, <laughs> lots of ducks. Lots of ducks, yeah. Lots yeah. of ducks, lots of, lots of pasta. Yeah, pasta the and bing. ducks. Bada mm-hmm, bing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and bada boom as well. Yes. Uh-huh, yes, uh-huh. bada boom. Okay. Yes. Great. So, Mr. Junior, so imagine Mr. Junior is 
Say that again. Sorry, I'm back. So <laughs> imagine uh, uh, like a tiny screaming Uncle Junior from okay. uh, The Sopranos, only now he has money and he's making movies. Okay, And he's great. making big, he's taking big swings. That's Ooh. who this guy is. That's nice. the guy that came to Stephen King when this movie was made. And King is, you know, this is him at the height of his yeah. cocaine addiction. Oh wow! You know, Wonderful. He okay. is. Uh, he's he's drinking way more than he should be. Okay. You know, this is the the pinnacle of '80s King, ah. basically in okay. in this time period. And he comes to that man and says, "We're going to make a movie together, and you're going to direct it." Nice. Um, so Stephen King has no directorial experience whatsoever when okay. he made this movie. You couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> right. I guess the other thing to know is that there was some trouble on set. Oh, You'll be surprised nice. to hear. Uh, you know, okay. uh, the cinematographer was blinded in one eye. Oh, uh, during this movie. Oh no. Yes. What, what was some of the other drama, Eric, that happened on the set of this? Uh, well, I mean, just kind of secondhand stories over the years of just sure. King didn't know what he was doing and was just kind of making it up as he went along, which kind of makes for part of the charm, I think, of this really silly movie. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was just kind of like a, a ship that didn't, that had a captain who'd never sailed a ship before, you know, but I don't know. I think that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. There's, there's also a rumor that David Lynch stepped in and, and helped shoot some of the, the b- very beginning of the movie, which, uh, uh I've yet to substantiate, but I have heard it and it does kind of track. So. Okay. Did the plot exist when they began shooting or did they just begin to create a plot as they <laughs> shot? Oh, no. <laughs> Excellent question. Uh, this is actually based on a short story that Stephen King wrote ah. called Trucks. Okay. And uh, he greatly expanded it for this particular adaptation. Right. The short the, story uh, is like 17 pages and it starts in the diner and the truck stop diner and uh, has the communication via the um, the Morse code. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a little bit more apocalyptic where it's in 17 pages. It's setting up that the machines are this is step one of completely taking over and enslaving mankind and and how the pumping gas is only going to lead to them like bulldozing the rainforest and and like forcing auto workers to to uh, uh you know, build newer cars and and uh, and forcing humanity to to keep producing gas and to oh. you know to, to feed it. it. It it's way more like nihilistic and like kind of broader and darker nice. than this story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you solve all problems when you just say, "Hey, it was a metaphor." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that really cures everything. Anytime I would say something now, people hate. I will just be like, "Hey, it was a metaphor, guys. Just think about it." Yeah, I'm Global curious. Warming. Uh, Flula, if, yeah. if you if you were a, a small, angry, loud Italian gentleman with a yes. lot of money and an interest in investing that money into movies, yes, uh, what kind of movies would you be making? I would be making marzipan-themed action films. Um, okay, let's hmm. elaborate on that. So marzipan, you would say marzipan, uh, yeah. is an almonds and sugar, crushed almonds and sugar. It's the most delicious uh, dessert you can imagine. But what people don't know in my world is that marzipan can be weaponized. Um, <laughs> you can feed it very quickly to someone and they will pass out because of something called a sugar rushy. 
And so <laughs> there's heroes in my world, uh, and it's a Marzi planet. So it's a marzipan planet. It's a Marzi planet. And so it, what happens is there are heroes who like to force you to eat other marzipan, um, but in a nice way. And then the villains are like forcing you to eat it, but then twice the recommended amount. And mm. so it's basically a battle of let's have some marzipan versus let's have more than you should marzipan. It's like good and evil, except uh, regarding marzipan recommended daily allowances. I think you got a hit on your hands, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, so marzipan is, is, is huge in this country. Well, we're we going know. to blow it up even more bigger. You know, it's, I, I foresee this being like the radio shack of, of the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> like blockbuster video or something like that. I'm very excited. So um, everyone, everyone, including people from hashtag Oclexus, I would love to hear any thoughts that you have <laughs> um, for this the, concept. How scary do you find the concept? of trucks and machines in general coming to life and uh, eradicating humanity. I need a face, you know? I need a face and some, like, breathing. Uh, the problem, you know, is, is only when one thing is having a face and it's, like, just the Green Goblin from Spider-Man 2, uh, and that's it. Um, that's not so scary for me. I need, like, lots of faces, like scary faces with, like, three eyes or a man who has a cavity or something like this would be very <laughs> scary to me. So... <laughs> That's what I would prefer uh, in my monsters and scary things. We talked before the last time you were here about you know you you had a problem with scary movies, but you were you were ready to to take the reins on this thing and 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 take back the fear for yourself. So yes. were you frightened by Maximum Overdrive? Well, let's reverse it. The question here, like a layup by Michael Jordan, as should I have been? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think this movie is supposed to be scary. Okay, okay no. great. Uh, I think it's supposed to be like an easy comics thing, but that's also why I recommend it to you in the first place because I didn't <laughs> want to. I didn't want to throw you in the deep end like right off the bat, like Eric trying to get you to watch Midsummer. That's uh, a, <laughs> that's Eric, another thing okay. entirely. All right. Uh, and now but don't not, trust. But Midsummer isn't even one that like is a like jump jump scare movie. It, Hereditary is way more of the. Uh, of those two, the ones that mm -hmm. like, fuck you up when you watch it. I think Midsummer uh, is still a, a pretty good, pretty good middle ground if you want an arty horror movie like that. Okay, Arty Lang is in it. Great, yeah, I'll yep, watch Artie, it. Arty Arty mm -hmm. Lang horror movie doing okay. great, a whole genre doing great, great. <laughs> looking looking uh, just like um, Florence Pugh. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing transformation. Perfect, <laughs> I love it. Um, um so Flo, yes. if you don't mind, for anyone who has not seen Maximum Overdrive before. Of course. Uh, would you be willing to tell us what happens in this movie? Yes. Uh, we open uh, with it Earth, and ding dong, here comes a star, and the star is forded near to the Earth. And then all of a sudden, um, all of the machines become very rude. The ATMs are saying, fuck you. Uh, and then all of the bridges, you know, for that bridge and tunnel crowd, watch out, good luck getting home. As the bridges lift, all of the watermelons uh, fly everywhere. There's watermelons all over the place. Um, there's a driver of a clown truck uh, who, what I, what I will say is very wonderful, he becomes the chief of police of Baltimore, which is very nice. Um, but he's there and he says things like, I don't give a ladybug for no reason and I don't understand it. Um, oh, there is a man who looks into a gas nozzle because he's an idiot. Uh, mm -hmm. And then Lisa Simpson marries another man and they're driving around while listening to alternating current, direct current, which is very wonderful music. And I say, apropos you know what I mean? Like machines. Um, and then there's a, a carbonated beverage murder where a man is trying to hydrate a team of baseballs, uh, but then he's uh, he's eliminated with the beverages. Um, and then a Bible man gets bounced into a creek. 
Mm -hmm. uh, then there's lots of toilet paper that explodes in the rolls of a truck. And, oh, a small baseball child is riding a bicycle everywhere while everyone is leaning out of their cars as if they've been, like, asphyxiated by their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are very wonderful quotes. There's one, this is a direct quote. We are the quote. We are the biggest fuckheads I've ever met in my life, unquote. I think Billy the Kid said that. It was very funny. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Then there's uh, the two, the buddy cop movie, uh, Caterpillar and the Machine Gun. They come out and things are happening. And then that other film by Steinbeck, Old Man with the Missiles. He tries mm -hmm. to kill them and doesn't. An old lady screams, we made you about 500 times and eventually dies. Um, oh, yeah. What else happens? Oh, yeah. Emilio Estevez is honking and he's trying to understand the honking of the truck like what are you saying what are you saying as if it's like lassie and he doesn't understand uh, and then uh, he uh, puts his butt into the sky but only after he explodes a small gun uh, oh and then they find a boat <laughs> there you go <laughs> that is maximum overdrive yeah, <laughs> yeah. well um, i think you've nailed it uh, uh, for sure it you know it flows it flows is what it, i it, as I watched it. <laughs> so what, what was your reaction to this? Is this the movie you thought you were getting into? No. Uh, I thought, uh, I will tell you, I love the music very much. It did not feel like the music for this film. Uh, and there are no scares. Everyone doesn't understand, like, the velocity of trucks. I was very mm. confused. Everyone's mm. like, oh, no, here comes a truck. And they stand there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they wait so that the 200 meters away truck can still approach them. And also trucks are loud. You know, I don't know if everyone there right. had tinnitus or what was occurring. Um, so I was confused. Perhaps this is a new earth where everyone has ringing of the ears. Uh, and yeah, so this, a truck shouldn't be able to sneak up on you like an no, 18 wheeler. Yeah, this is not a, a, an Elon Musk cyber truck. This is a 19 whatever, whatever, a loud boy. And if it was one of Elon's trucks, it would be on fire and running over a pedestrian. That's I mean, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, also confusing to me is when the machines, like, which were the machines that were monsters? You know, the ATM was rude um, and the mm -hmm. truck was rude, but the boat, what about the boat? Why are boats friendly? We, I wanted to know, like. Well, they're hmm. powered by, by air, unless it was, did it have a motor? Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a sailboat. This wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean. Bye bye. You know, this was. Uh, I haven't this... seen it in a minute. I, I remember them leaving on like sort of a, a sailboat, a, a schooner. Yeah, perhaps. perhaps. Oh, maybe it was. Well, you know, there were other Eric, boats. What there. was it? Yeah. it? No, it, it's it's definitely intended to be a uh, uh, a motorless boat. Oh, I think that, great! That, that is what. What it, it's definitely a sailboat of some sort. Oh, but okay, uh, wonderful. But you know, you're you're right in that there's a whole lot of shit that never makes sense. Like, why is it that uh, Lisa Simpson and her husband's car is totally fine? You know, but yes. uh, uh, you know, but there are other cars, and this is uh, something that actually goes back to the uh, the original story because, like, they he makes mention in the original story trucks. About like, oh, you know, the main character's car is kind of parked there the whole time and it never does anything. But there's also other cars that are that aren't trucks because at the beginning, they think it's just trucks that that are awake. But uh, uh, but then they see more and more that it's not and that it's every machine. And they go that even further in the movie where it's like the electric knife, anything that's plugged in, a hairdryer, a remote controlled car, you know, yes. Um, you know, anything could could be a, a, an evil weapon, except for the things that they don't want to be an evil weapon that's mechanical because it, mm -hmm. it hurts the, the plot. At a certain point with this movie, you just have to go, yes, arcade machines will, you know, electrocute Giancarlo Esposito, you know, yes. <laughs> while, while, while he's Isn't trying to steal Esposito? cigarettes. It's, it's Esposito. And I, I have said Giancarlo Esposito my entire life. 
but I heard him on Mark Marin where they had a whole like 10 minutes talking about how everybody always mispronounces his name. Oh, Holy it's, shit. It's Giancarlo Esposito. What's Gustavo Fring? It was. I thought it was. At first, it was Gus uh, Fring, yeah. He, um, you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What, you were a, a Breaking Bad fan? Uh, yeah, I very much loved it. I've seen it three times. Uh, I forgot everything as well. I have that <laughs> Men in Black pen flash thing that occurs in my life, uh, which is why I can watch things many times and love them. That's um, great. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. So you just don't retain anything. Oh, nothing, nothing. Water, um, plots, uh, really anything. Calories. It all just goes. Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah, but I, the the thing about calories, that's very, that's very true because I have noticed – as of late, your buttocks are perhaps tighter than ever. Well, thank you for noticing. Also, how could you not? It's all I post. I'm the thirstiest man on the gram. Um, and yeah, I cannot help it. I will tell you right now, some people have the genetics of, of tight buttocks and other people have normal things. So I apologize, everyone. Why? I shouldn't do it. Delete my account, Instagram. Are you listening, Zaki Buck? And- some, you know, one thing we've talked about on the show before that I think you, you might have an opinion on. Uh-oh is the phenomenon uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, specifically the early 90s. This was primarily an 80s thing, of the 80s long butt. This Mm. was when you would see, you know, I'm thinking of the running man here, the dancers in the running man. Yes, yes, yes. Or perhaps in Scrooge, some of the dancers in Scrooge, have a long ass versus uh, like a bubble butt. And yes. I'm wondering I'm wondering if you have a theory about this of why the long ass may have been so popular in the 80s and what it says about us today hmm. that we are more attracted to the juicy ass. Yeah, the anus thing. Uh, it's a very good question. It makes me think of that cake song. He's like blah 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 and a long buttock. I'm unfamiliar with this song. I gotta be honest good. with you. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, oh, a so, long, j- oh, cake. Like, a, okay, I, think it's I got cake. you. Is yeah. it not cake? I don't know. No, you're right. You're oh, right. I, I get you now. I get ah. you now. Um, so, with the buttocks, I can tell you what it is. It is the way that they have uh, cut those jeans, you know. Uh, mm. They go very, very long in the, in the horizontal, you know, vertical way. It's like, uh, why I don't know, but I miss this. I like long, long buttock jeans. They're confusing because it's like your buttock has stopped like eight centimeters ago, yet there's still forty-eight centimeters of jean that continues <laughs> up into your armpits. So everyone thinks, "Wow, what a long buttock!" But really, it's just a very confusingly styled denim, and I miss it. Can I say I miss it? I miss those. I miss the shoulder pads. You know, mm. I miss those. Uh, males, females, everyone working nine to five. Let's do this. I'm surprised to hear this, honestly. I would think someone possessed of the juicy buttocks that you have would, would be simpatico with the, the the butts we prefer today. Well, okay. Number one, the only reason you know of my buttock juice is because I'm trying desperately uh, to you know, become a supervillain. I'm trying to become – we don't have a Van Damme. We don't have a Schwarzenegger. We don't mm-hmm. have a Dolph Lundgren. We need a man with a bad accent who can make action times and be a, a confusing action a butt kick man. And so mm-hmm. so now mm-hmm. to, to – so people understand Flulaborg should be this man. I have to post buttock juices, juicy buttocks. I have to post yeah, my Yeah, I agree. Home. Should uh, throw in some splits that show splits. off the glutes there. That's that, true. That was Van Damme's secret. He kept doing Very splits true. that show off his, his ah, juicy bubble. Like yeah. it. Okay, great. Thank you. I've taken this note. Uh, stay tuned, <laughs> everyone uh, following and now unfollowing me on Flula Instagram. Don't do it. Delete your can you Can you do the splits, dude? Oh, of course not. No. <laughs> no. Not even. Not close at all. Are you I'm, afraid to try? 
I'm the least Mary Lou Retton of the three of us, let me just say. <laughs> I find that pretty hard to believe, but oh, trust me. But, but I'll take it as a compliment. Yes, I've ripped many things and not just pants. Falula, I want to get your opinion on Emilio Estevez in this movie. Um, mm. Because it's really fascinating to me, kind of like looking back at it, because this is like after Repo Man. But before Young Guns, when he became like super famous, you know, I mean, he, listen, he, he had Breakfast Club, right? So he yeah. he was still known. But I think it was like Young Guns was kind of that thing that was like he was known. He was the centerpiece of that movie, even though it was like kind of an ensemble thing. Oh, yes. He was the poster child of that yeah. one. Best so dollar th- I ever spent. Yes, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Make you famous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so th- this is a fascinating time and like uh, by all accounts he's very embarrassed about this movie and it's such a bizarre performance like it always he's taking it so seriously he's in a completely different movie than 90 percent of the cast who seem to be in on the joke right like you know the right. uh what's his name pat hingle, hingle. kids pat love hingle. Pat hingle yeah he you know with a rocket launcher and oh, calling shot. everybody bubba all the time he's yeah. he's into it the the waitress that screams we made you she knows what movie she's in you know, uh, Yardley Smith knows what movie she's in, okay. uh, but and, Emilio and to Estevez clarify, is to clarify, It's the first movie. It's everyone's first movie. That's what this is, right? <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, it's, it's not Emilio's, and maybe that's the difference: is is that he's he's trying to take it seriously, and everybody else is just playing. But it, it's a fascinating uh, performance for me because it's so like deep, like dark and brooding and emo, weirdly in this in this movie. I, uh, I I imagine it's like you know if you if you know basketball like Greg Popovich is your coach but all of a sudden uh, he has diarrhea and so they just hire like a ferret and then that's <laughs> the coach and so everyone doesn't understand what the ferret wants why is he running around now he's shedding he's pooping on the on the on the three point line and that man is supposed to yell action that's what I think occurred I, I wrote I read a note it's like Stephen King was like they once asked me why do I not direct other films and they're like and he says have you seen Maximum Overdrive <laughs> and I think this is what occurred I think this I think it's just the director was like I, I don't know that he knew what was happening and so uh, Emilio was like I'm just doing this thing and then the right. other guys are like let's pretend we're insane and have never acted in our lives before this dialogue <laughs> is confusing a man I think it's Giancarlo Giancarlo he just stares at arcade machines for four full minutes and for no reason just says, yo, mama. <laughs> yep. I'm like, why? Why? Who's mama? And why are you saying this? I mean, it's a fun thing to say, but why? I don't understand. <laughs> Arcade cabinets cannot have mothers, as far as I know. <laughs> Number one, yes. They can have mother boards. Mother boards, boom. I like oh, that. Sorry, I stepped on your joke, didn't hey, I? Uh, Damn it. What? No, whose joke? That was wonderful. I was confirming you. I love that. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. I th- uh, he thought you were leading up to it. I thought I, I thought I, yeah, I ruined oh no. your, your, no, no, no. Wh- where you're going. Apologies never, if I did. I am the anti-waste. I don't know where I'm going at any time, zero times. <laughs> I'm just following you guys. But- when I, when I watch Maximum Overdrive in the year, the brave year of our Lord, 2022. Yes. I cannot help but think about the rise of AI technology, mm. robots, mm-hmm. these things that uh, we've seen, uh, well, they, they seem to be for military and police usage, which is doubly troubling. You know, the idea of machines being able to get one up on us, I mm-hmm. think I, I am personally troubled by. Um, oh, yes. And, and, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your take is on that. Like, uh, are you are you worried about the robot situation? Or are you cool with it? 
Oh, it will happen, there's no doubt. Uh, it's The problem is, I think a film like this makes you think it would be very funny and very easy. Like, you will just, hey, let's call Emilio Estevez, whisper to him about a hand grenade, drop it into a bucket, run out, put our asses up, and then we win. Mm. That's not how this will work. I think with the robots, it will be... I, th- I am scared. Can I not? I will say it. T2 Judgment Day just watched it the other day. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the tanks on the skulls and you got uh, whatever the, the man made of, of juice, of, of gray, gray, uh, metal gray juice. juice. Gray yeah. juice. Yeah, gray juice vodka. Uh, and very scary. Um, so, yeah, I think in the real time, it's scary. But this film makes you think, oh, it'll be fine. We'll just say, hey, we ran out of gas. Mm. <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not how you defeat the machines. Right. You know, they've got solar panels. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's also interesting in today's times, we all have depend on technology way more than than even uh, in the mid 80s when this was like a commentary on our dependence on on technology. We've had like iPhones and stuff like have battery problems that blow up and kill people. Like if that if maximum overdrive happened now, all of our, you know, pocket phones would just blow holes in us like and we'd we'd all be gone. We'd be dead. Oh yes, yeah. Well, now it's at this film. If they made another, like uh, maybe like even more maximum overdrive again, everyone or whatever it would be called, like that could be scary because it's like real time. Watch out, uh, you know. Even something so simple, like I. By the way, I love all action films. I love them. Uh, I just watched Olympus Has Fallen as uh, with Gerald Butler, Jerry, Ooh, yes. Jerry, mm-hmm. yeah, right. and uh, but. You know, there's like Cerberus codes and they're going to explode all the nuclear codes because the Secretary of State said two letters in a row. I'm like, yeah, that seems more realistic. You know, this these insane <laughs> things can happen. Yeah. But with, with maximum overdrives, it's just like, how does the turret move? It's not powered. Is, who is mm-hmm. this? Is it Jesus? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and if it's Jesus, why do you need gas? You know, I don't understand. I'm very confused. What is that card anyway? I mean, that that's something that's in, that I always think of. Like, there is no real equivalent to that in any military card I've ever seen. That's just a golf cart with a, a machine gun yeah. tagged to it on a single stand. I don't think it exists, but you buy it in the world because the world's so ridiculous. It's like a mine cart. It's like a thing. <laughs> and like in in fucking Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where the guy, the blind guy, comes in <laughs> oh, and he's yeah. just like, like a, uh, a, a hand card. Uh, yeah. yeah, like a like a hand card. On yeah. train tracks it's like that but it's got a machine gun it has a machine it. gun it's not like the trucks are optimus prime and like can turn into robots and build this little turret gun thing i just don't understand where it came from where did it go where does it caught my joe i'm very confused <laughs> right and who <laughs> built it in the first place yeah exactly i mean now we're getting into the deep stuff neil degrasse tyson could help us with that we don't we know should. where did it all start oh man can you imagine getting Neil deGrasse Tyson on the show to talk about Let's, how unrealistic Maximum yes, Overdrive is? I would is? be furious within five minutes. Yes, <laughs> you would. The buzz killer. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, for real, he is the cooler. Neil, the cooler, DeGrasse nice. Tyson. Nah. Let's yeah. get this hashtag Tyson on Kingcast, and then watch what happens. You'll get Mike Tyson even better. So I think you can. Or, or just a chicken. It'll be very great. Yeah, we'll get a package of raw chicken. Yes. <laughs> chicken thighs on the Kingcast. Count me into that. Mm-hmm. H- have you ever met Mike Tyson by I've any n- chance? No, I've not met this person. Uh, I am fascinated by this man, but no, I've never met. Have you guys hung out with Michael Tyson? No. <laughs> not hung out with him, but I did interview him once, and it was what? bizarre. I went to the junket for The Hangover, and yeah. and so I did like group interviews with all the 
famous people from the movie, but I got a one-on-one with Mike Tyson and I was like shitting bricks. Cause I'm like, this dude is crazy intimidating. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously has a very, well, he's, problematic not gonna take a, he's not going to take history. a swing at you mid interview. Right. But it's, I wasn't worried for my life, but just like, you know, this is a dude that I've just grown up watching beat the fuck out of people. And I'm going to go sit right. down at the table with him. Yeah. And, and so I, I walk in and the dude was terrified. Like oh. he was so like sheepish. And he was like, I was telling him cause I just seen the movie beforehand and I'm like, the movie's funny as fuck. And, yeah. and like, he's really funny in it. And he was just like, he's like, Oh, you saw it. He's like, how was it? He's like, he hadn't seen it yet. And I was just like, oh, man, it's hilarious. And you're like, dude, you're really funny in it. And he would just like he like did like a little he stood up in his chair and did like a little dance and fist pumped. And <laughs> and he had like, you know, four or five entourage guys kind of sitting in the back, like watching the interview, like ready to to Eat step you. in at, 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 at any point. But like what struck me was just how timid and shy he was when I'm like my image of this guy is this dude that, you know, could just like obliterate any living thing. You know oh, yeah. that that he wants, right? You know, and you this know, is the this is the guy who's on record as saying the best punch he ever threw was at Robin Givens, <laughs> right? So, so, not, not a great man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh but, no, uh, very problematic. Uh, yeah. Ouch, Doctor Tyson is. But I uh, but I also couldn't turn down the opportunity to like just when else am I ever gonna get a chance to interview this this person? Yeah, of course. So, wow. so uh, but yeah, no, it was that was my experience with him. He, wow. he, he was very happy about having seen a billboard of the hangover. That was my main memory of, of it is he like went off and was talking about how excited he was when he was driving home. He saw a billboard for the hangover and that's that, that <laughs> he's not on the billboard, by the way. Oh, he okay. Was just super into it. <laughs> Great. Lula, who is, who is the most disconcerting celebrity you've ever met? Oh, wow. I have avoided most of uh, that. Most of mine have been very concerting, I have to say. Right. Um, yeah, you know, the Anchorman 2 cast was very concerting. Uh, disconcerting, I don't, you know, no one. I, they've all been very nice, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of who was like even slightly rude to me. And uh, no, oh, no well, weirdos. One person, yeah, sir. What's his name? He's a knight, um, but he doesn't have all the stuff. Uh, he played Gandhi. Um, ben, ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. He. <laughs> you I, met Ben Kingsley. I did. I interviewed just like you for a junket uh, for the uh, dictator. Uh, hmm. I met. I met Ben Kingsley, <laughs> and I could tell he he disliked me greatly, uh, and. <laughs> And, you know, it's fine. I think I'm a very divisive person. I'm like, uh, you know, like, like a Neapolitan shake from in and out You either love mm. this or you want to throw it out at the crossed palm trees. Mm-hmm. And so I know that this is me. So I could tell, oh, uh, so Ben Kingsley is definitely like Sir Ben not digging me. And that's fine. Um, and it's it's not his fault. It's just this is how I was I was birthed. And I did not apologize. I was just scooted away quickly to the next person. Hmm. How much? How much time did you actually spend? Too, on them? too much time. Uh, it was uh, four minutes, but I could tell he just oh deeply hated me. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's fine, you know. Some it's it's nice to like have a reaction. You know, people are like, you know, all press is good press. I I don't agree. It made me sad. <laughs> um, I did uh, wallow in my uh, spaghetti bolognese that night. Um, but it's mm-hmm. fine. You know, my dream now is to uh, do a buddy cop film with Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh my god! Do you think it was? Anti-Germanic prejudice. No, it was anti-idiot. 
Uh, I think he could say he could just tell this man is stupid. And but I didn't to... know that you both shared a love for Marzipan. So we didn't right. have time. You know, he just You're both realized DJs. You know, <laughs> yes, yes, we're both DJs. Um, <laughs> DJ BK, um, yeah, DJ Gand Gand. Uh, no, unfortunately, we had no uh, time to find similarities. I think he just realized. Oh, I hate this man. Please let this end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ha- ever had one of those, Scott? And all the people you've interviewed, you ever had one of those? I'm trying to think. At a certain point, I just gave up trying to interview people because no one reads interviews. Mm. Is ah. what I found. Ah. And around that point, I realized, well, I'm going to undermine this entire process and just go in here and ask the stupidest fucking questions I can and see what nice. happens. Nice. We share and, a playbook. Yeah. <laughs> So I had that interview with Ryan Johnson on on Birth Movies Death, like before Knife Knives Out came out, and that was a big deal. And then after that happened, it was like from there on out. Every time a publicist contacted about like, do you want to interview so and so, it would be like, yeah, if I can do this, and then I would link to the uh, Ryan Johnson interview, and they always said yes. Oh. But what I found was that uh, the PR people would, I would tell them, like, you got to tell the talent, this is what I'm going to do. This is what they're getting into. And they would say, yeah, we told them it's fine. Like, it's cool. Mm. And there, I did several of those where it became very clear, very immediately that the talent had not been warned ahead of time, which is how I ended up, like, talking to Walton Goggins at some point and, like, <laughs> He had no fucking idea. And I'm like, I was asking him for uh, advice on how to deal with my neighbor whose kids kept coming to my yard and stomping all over it in uh, <laughs> golf cleats and ripping it up. And like, yeah. like, should I beat his ass? Like, what was what? What should I do? And he was just like, clearly, like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> in yes. in this interview? Wonderful. Um, which was not so fun. Oh, but okay. uh, I mean, it was fun for me, but it could not have been fun for Walton Goggins. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, I'm very sorry to him if he's listening. To this. He's listening. No, no, he's listening for sure. Uh, I think and, he's uh, always listening. Is always the thing about listening. Walton. Yeah. Maybe it was Walton Goggins that was manning that uh, that weird golf cart machine gun. He's very always awesome. invisible oh. on all of our shoulders. I also I love his name, Walton Goggins. What a fun name. I'm very jealous. It's a, it's a great name. It's a very Stephen King name, by the way. King just has these random off-the-wall names. And then he'll have the most like generic Johnny Smith or, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. things. And I love that about, about him. But yeah, and when you think about it, like Goggins is absolutely like some small town Castle Rock character you'd, you'd run into. Yeah. How do you go about, like, you've, you've done some writing, Flula, I assume. Yeah, sure. Yeah, certainly. Uh, how do you go about naming your characters? Oh, I just uh, usually I think of the first thing I can think of, and then I say that was really dumb because most of my names are like Schleeby Bum Flippledap and like Burby mm. Bum Bum and oh Floppy Stip Stip. You know, these are like names that no one would have. And then I just go back to normal ones like Steve, which is my coffee name. If I order coffees, <laughs> it's always I'm always Steve. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's name's Steve. But first they like Blanky Stoop Stoop, and but it becomes Steve. <laughs> Oh, Eric, that sound happening out of nowhere can only mean one thing. Uh, Ryan Johnson's here? No, he's editing uh, Knives Out 2, actually. But it does mean that the King cast has achieved a level of popularity that we now have a very short 
mid-episode ad break on the show. Well, that sounds like it could be potentially intrusive, doesn't it? It does, but not if we keep it short and not if we want to continue uh, having a show. So, oh, uh, yeah, I definitely like that. Yes, yes, yes. Our, our first partner has a product I've been using literally every day for uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I started taking Athletic Greens because, well, I need I need vitamins. I need to keep up my Adonis-like figure that mm-hmm. you are well familiar with. And oh, yeah. um, I marvel at it I, every day. Yes, and, and sometimes I do not get... Uh, you know, all the vitamins I need. But with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food swords, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition And for those of you who have not caught Omicron, well, especially heading into the flu and cold season, this is going to do nothing but help you. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five-feet travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's good stuff. I've been drinking it too. You do feel a little bit more energetic. I I got to give it to him. Um, and while we're here, let's talk a little bit about another podcast. I know another podcast we're going to be talking about. It feels like sacrilege, but this is a good one. So yeah, it's fine. We are going to be talking to you about Straight Chilling, which is a horror podcast, and they just hit their 350th episode. That's Fuck. a lot. We do a lot of episodes, and we haven't hit 350 yet. Yeah, good fucking lord. These guys have been at it since 2014. They are old friends and they've sliced and diced and chopped their way through weekly horror reviews with a touch of insight and a ton of ranting and raving. Whether you're a longtime horror fan or casual viewer, straight chilling podcast will blow your mind. Kind of like scanners, but more like metaphorically or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're not killing uh, their listeners, presumably. Yeah. If it, well, maybe they are. And that's why they're having to advertise the show. You don't they get gotta, to 350 episodes profits. with no listeners, baby. That's that that is true. That is true. And, but they need more. And they've covered big name classics such as The Shining. Heard of it. Halloween and Jaws. Uh, but they've also dug deeper into films like Kaosu and Butterfly Kisses. Teeth, Vampire's Kiss, Martin and Perfect Blue. Straight Chilling is on all major podcatchers, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music, and is critically acclaimed by at least one of their moms. Because it's just that good. Tune into Straight Chilling each week for a fresh new dip into your favorite genre. And don't forget to keep chilling. Tremendous. Now, with all of that said, back to the show. So if you're, let's say that you're trapped in a diner, a truck stop diner. Yeah. Okay. okay. You have uh, very conveniently a a store of RPGs, bazookas, (laughs) machine guns, and what have you. Grenades. You're being menaced by by trucks that have somehow come to life. I'm curious how you, you, uh, you know, fuck your way out of this jam. Oh, so intercourse is required. Well, it could be. I don't know. This is your story. You I like know, this. Yeah. Know. No, I will go with this. I will. Uh, so I will seduce the trucks. I like this. Um, mm-hmm. I will begin to. Um, I will begin to just sing the sounds of. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, no, I would. <laughs> um, this is what is confusing. There's a tunnel. 
they just go down the tunnel. There's already a tunnel. It smells of urine and rats. And then they keep like not just leaving. I'm like, just leave. The, the outside tunnel thing? Yeah. Just get in the tunnel and go. I, I was very confused. So to answer your question, I would do what these ding-dongs did except leave. I would like get in the tunnel and then, then they continue to walk. But I don't where understand. do you go in a world filled with with trucks that have, you know, your name on them? You go to the boat. I mean, they had a boat. <laughs> Why did they just not go to the boat immediately? I didn't understand this. They had to know we have to, like, let them shoot us or something. I was very confused. Like, oh, you so found you would have you would have no impulse to fight the trucks. Well, I think the trucks run out of the gasolines, and then they have a little tempi tantrum. And then what will happen now? They can't run me over. They're loud. They're trucks. No one's sneaking up on me. I'm not wearing earmuffs. You know, it's like I can hear the trucks. Yeah. Um, now, if you tell me I'm forced to wear earmuffs, and alternating direct current is literally playing a bell's hells <laughs> next to me the whole time, so I can't hear the approaching of the trucks, then yes, it's a problem. But now it's like no. That does raise another point. I wanna I wanna talk to you about ACDC. Like, what is your position on I feel like the country of Germany would enjoy Oh, ACDC yeah. is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's very correct. Yes, yes. Uh, we are we are a country. I think uh, I will speak for me. I love things that like go hard, you know, and like yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, make me want to uh, jump up and down and crazy and things like that. And and so I think alternating direct current is very good with this. Any of these death metal bands, Mastodon, also is usually very uh, popular in Germany. Hmm. Um, uh, not the same, but different. Like it, it elicits the excitement and pumping up. I went to you know a Wu Tang Clan concert. Very different music. Music. But like I am hype and excited and and jumping up and down. I don't know why it's a lot of jumping, but there is for me. How about Rammstein? Yeah, natürlich. Rammstein is perfect. Rammstein is like ACDC, but except uh, we speak German, uh, and there's like pigs on the stage or something, and there's lots of fire. Yeah, I feel like I saw them once at like a music festival. Wait, are you? If you're not certain, then you didn't. No, I think the uh, well. I'm trying to remember if this is my memory or someone else's that told me. Oh, nice. <laughs> I used yeah, to go yeah, to yeah. like a lot of like big, big music festivals. There mm. was a period for like, like basically my entire twenties. I would go see anyone, oh, okay. just to you know, just to see everybody, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And nice. so I can't remember if they were on like a bill that I saw or if uh, somebody told me about this. No, I, I, I must have seen him because I remember fire. I, fire. I remember seeing the fire from the stage. Yeah. Those, mm-hmm. those guys uh, do not go lightly. They go no. very hard. Yeah, they those go Rammstein hard. boys. Rammstein boys <laughs> go hard. Uh, that's uh, the name of the fan club as well. Rammstein boys go hard. Uh, the boys is with a C. Uh, it's very fun. <laughs> and I recommend uh, anyone, if you don't know, do hast uh, immediately uh, hang up this podcast if you're listening to it on a rotary phone and then dial mm-hmm. up um, do hast. But ACDC you're yeah, into sorry. as well. Also, yes. yes. Well, they are like, I love something that's just clean and simple, but also dirty. Uh, and so it's clean and that it's that's very a perfect fucking yeah <laughs> right it's like that's what they are and i really like this and uh and that's i think also why i do love uh, hip-hop as well because it's like we're not messing around it's just very clean in some ways but then grimy i think that's why i thought of wu-tang because uh, the mm. beats are just it's not you cannot deny the dopeness of the beat and that's the truth also with alternating current uh direct current uh they just the beats are just solid and the screaming words and it's very simple each word has one syllable and maybe sometimes not even one. You know, mm. I just love this. I know the words right away. Bell hells, helly bellies. Great. Count me in. <laughs> Thunderstruck. 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 Yes. Just an incredible intro. Oh, that. 
I challenge any of our listeners to listen to the first 30 seconds of Thunderstruck and not get ripped the fuck up. (laughs) You know, it is it is so fucking good. Yeah. But also the guy like the lead singer is like he looks like my dad in a little hat. With the beret. Yes, you can't look yeah. at the people. It's like um, there's a man that does NPR, and I love him very much here in Los Angeles, but I don't know what he looks like, and I refuse. I don't want to know his face. <laughs> I only want to know his name is Larry Mantle. I'm like, Larry Mantle, I just want to hear you. I don't want to see you. It would mess me up. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. this is true of the beret man uh, from Alternating Current Direct Current. <laughs> yes. It's yeah, better to not. Always sounds like he's getting over COVID, too. He's, oh he's yeah, got a, he, he's he's got that voice, and I love it. It hurt hurts my uh, my own throat to hear him sing, but I love that he can do it. Oh, it's ACDC sounds like the summer to me. Mm. Like I listen to ACDC specifically in the summer. That is just like that's the vibe you want to be putting out. I think. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's 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 cheap, tall boys near mm. a lake, probably. Mm. Okay, you know. Yeah, Someone's yeah. getting laid in a car, you oh. know, like that's the the vibe that that summer should be. And <laughs> ACDC encapsulates that for me. I think that's um, yeah, they serve a very specific purpose. Yeah, I uh, I would listen to the, those guys alternating current direct current on my Walkman as I would walk to the gas station in Germany because everything is closed on a Sunday, but the gas station is open. Mm. And so there I would get my Ritter Sport, the chocolate. And as I was walking, I would walk my feet to the beat of the of the bell hells, help, help, of the uh, thunderstruck. <laughs> yes. Well, Everything it, is closed on Sunday? Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah, a yeah. nation of Chick-fil-A's? It, it's correct. <laughs> yes, yes. We are a nation of Chick-fil-A's. Yes. Uh, well, minus the Chick-fil-A, but yes. Yeah. And minus <laughs> the, you know, anti-gay propaganda. Yeah. None, none of presumably. the Prop 8 stuff. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Well, something that I'd also like to kind of point out about ACDC doing the soundtrack is this was kind of a big thing for like 10 to 12 years in Hollywood where there would be rock bands mm-hmm. doing uh, doing movie soundtracks in that kind of like all culminated with Prince doing Batman, right? Yeah. And that became so much the identity of that. And ACDC, so much of the identity of Maximum Overdrive, this was a traditional score. I think my enjoyment of this would be way less because, yes, the movie's ridiculous. Yes, the the pacing is kind of weird and it starts off really fun and strong and crazy and then lulls for a bit and then has a, an abrupt ending. I can view all the, the things that are wrong with the movie, but a, the ACDC score just underlines just how much fun this movie wants you to have. And like you said, like ACDC reminds you of summer and it pumps you up. And that's the thing there. It's like having queen doing flash Gordon or Highlander, you know, you're, you're, you're having these groups that'll be like become part of the identity of the movie. And that's just something that doesn't happen today. I think that the closest we can do are people that transitioned out of being musicians, like the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross thing and became Mm -hmm you know, became composers, but like, but even that's not really the same thing. They just turned into really great composers, you know? Oh, here's a question. So when did they write all the songs that are like the famous songs of that band for this movie? Like is, what do you mean? like is, well, we hear hell bells, but uh, I think some were preexisting, but I think one, one of them like debuted with the movie. I don't remember which one I'd have to look it up, but like one of them debuted with the movie. That is like who made who? Oh, that's song. what this was. Yeah, I right. remember. Well, that's, he, I was like, who made who? You, and it's yeah. like, you made you. Me made shoe. Blew yes. my clue. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blues my clues. Blues yes. My clues. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I, that's something that I, I love. And I, I kind of wish, well, I'd say I wish that that still happened today, but there's just, I don't know if there's 
what's the equivalent today of, of this kind of like my rock band or, you know, like queen or Prince or, you know, or uh, ACDC. I would say James Bond. They always have the first song is always by a famous person. Right. And then, like, and then it's like 20 minutes long, but I don't remember like if the song themes are then continued in the film. No, uh, yeah, they're not. Yeah. No, but, but you're right that it does give the movie a slight bit of that identity. You a know. little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, Beyonce could probably, you know, pull something off like, but they would have to be something made like specifically like her lemonade video or something. Right. Uh, That's made telling for a story maximum overdrive, telling. not for maximum overdrive. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm saying for like what band today could fill in that queen or ACDC or Prince you know, vibe and make the identity of an entire movie that's not related to them at all, at you know, all. their own. It's hard know? to say, man. Like, I fucking, I, I basically stopped uh, investing, like, serious time mm. in bands after about 2005 or 10. Mm, right. And I was like, yeah, I know that song, but I'm not, you know, fanatical about, about oh. any of these new artists. I guess Daft Punk, Daft Punk kind of Tron Tron Legacy is maybe the last thing that I can think of, but that, yeah. Yeah, that could work. Um, And the the Reznor scores are like, they're kind of Nine Inch Nails, but not. No, yeah. You know, that's who was composer. That's a completely different different thing. Right. Yeah. Flew, if you were, you've been handed $100 million, you would have to go out, make a new maximum overdrive tomorrow. Oh, okay. you have just as much experience as Stephen King. <laughs> oh, great! Um, who are you hiring? What band are you hiring to score it? Who made who? Uh, uh, and what, why what, is it Prodigy? It's <laughs> yeah. Well, it is Prodigy. I thought, I think they have all deceased. Like fifty percent of Prodigy. I think we're just down to, to G. Oh, uh, really? Which, are they dead? I just think everyone has in those times. Yes. I mean, we can look. I think <laughs> the man with the mohawk, I think, has passed away. Um, but yeah, oh, I would be, that's unfortunate. I like that guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's like I would have, you know, if I could go back in time, I would hire Millie Vanilli, um, Rage Against the Machine, Prodigy, and then Old Dirty Bastard. That would be my band that makes the soundtrack for Maximum Overdrive. Hmm. I would Hmm. also not call it Maximum Overdrive. I would just say, watch out, here come the trucks and nothing else. And (laughs) so it's only the trucks. I would eliminate the Fording Comet. I would just say it's like a computer boy or something, you know, like a nerd man, like from uh, Despicable Me for the who like controlled the onions, whatever those are called, the minions, whatever <laughs> yeah, those are called. Minions, great. Min- yeah, yeah, close. Okay. yeah, yeah. And then he would control this. And then, of course, uh, what happens is the trucks, uh, they are very bio-happy. Bio uh, they only emit marzipan. And so what happens is hmm. the whole world just becomes filled with marzipan and people have to like, who wins and who survives is actually like the Kobayashis and the Joey Chestnuts of the world. Hmm. You know, um, all of these competitive eaters. Is the marzipan filling the streets? Oh, dude, it's on the streets. It's Are on the ceiling. Are we talking like a, a 10 foot rise in the level of marzipan? Oh, we're talking, the... yes, yes, yes. We're talking tsunamis. We're talking marzipanamis. It's going to be everywhere. Everyone's worried about the marzipan quakes. Uh, everything <laughs> will, will be just consumed from the almonds and the delicious sugar. I just find, I, I find marzipan to be less threatening than, say, an electric knife. Well, this will make you the president. <laughs> <laughs> because you will be rare in the world. Everyone else will be terrified, but you will have uh, just kind of a marzipan. You will be the antidote to the marzipan. Marzipantidote. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, um, Eric, do you have any final thoughts? 
Well, I, we can't talk about Maximum Overdrive and not bring up the awkward sweat licking in the sex scene. Yes. And, and I'm wondering if, Lula, if you noticed this, that Emilio Estevez in the tender post-coital moment he has with his lady love, mm. where he decides to run a finger across her forehead twice and lick the sweat off of his fingers. It, it One, did you notice it? And two, if you did, did that strike you as, as odd or is this something that uh, you feel is a very feasible thing to do in the situation? Yes. Were you engorged? I was. Uh, I will tell you what happens when I see intercourse occurring on a on a, a, a television or film show. I will immediately cover my eyes and my holes and just cover everything up and start to uh, sing the song "In a Garden of Vida," uh, mm-hmm. which is approximately thirteen minutes long. And so, why? Not af- well, uh, because I am afraid that I will enjoy it, and then I will just want to watch it over and over again. And now that you've said this, I am very tempted to watch this uh, strange uh, forehead. <laughs> Um, sweaty licky, uh, mm-hmm. as I'm sure it's called this move. And what now that you've said it, I want to know: Was it like was Stephen King uh, at this time, who was Stephen King shit, as you said, telling <laughs> Emilio, "Listen, more of this. We need two lickies of a forehead. That was nice. Let's go again, everyone. Let's add some more perspiration." And Emilio, go licky. What is your ideal sex scene then? <laughs> Uh, my ideal sex scene would be just like a man in a factory with almonds and sugar and just slowly <laughs> crushing those together and then putting them in packages <laughs> for distribution. Yeah. That'd be mm. really hot. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. Yeah. Well, mm. thank you. Um, that was kind of you. No one else has understood up to this point. So, <laughs> um, Well, I don't really understand. Oh, either okay. Flula. I'm just being polite. But Thank you. <laughs> But Thank that's, you for your uh, politeness. That, that, you know, that does track with everything else you've said here today. I like to stay on a theme, as you can see. Uh, I'm like a dog with a boon. Flula, I do want to get your like opinion on the movie. I don't really have a real grasp on how much you enjoyed or didn't enjoy this film. Fair. That's exactly yep. my review for the film. Mm. Mm. I am so confused. I did not know what was occurring. I was very excited at the beginning because all of the machines were rude. Uh, and then my German brain was like, none of this is logical. Nothing is logical. Um, why are the watermelons flying everywhere? Why so many watermelons? Um, and then that got confusing. And then I just like, who's bad? Who's bad? Who's good? Someone please wear a jersey. You know, it's like that scene in Band of Brothers uh, where David Schwimmer's like, yeah, we're fine. And then they kill them because they jump out of that uh, thing for no reason. Mm. And I didn't <laughs> like this. So I would have preferred like, a, you know, like when they play basketball, like shirts on skins or something like this, I would prefer someone put on some shirts just so I know like, oh, the boats are fine friendly. This car is not rude. I just wanted to know more. And I got very confused. I need rules. I, I, that's what I need. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need regulations. <laughs> I'm sorry. Totally fair. Okay. Totally fair. Were you able to enjoy yourself anyway with, within the ridiculousness or was it really just too much for you the entire way through? Oh, after eight minutes, I realized this was chaos. So I just began making quesadillas. <laughs> chaosadillas? Chaosadillas is what I made. Yes, yes. What's no, your quesadilla which, recipe? Well, because it's a chaosadilla, there's no cheese. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's no bread. Basically, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I call it a chaosadilla. <laughs> you can make that shit with tortillas. I've done that before. I did yeah. them on low-carb tortillas. Oh, okay. Because you know, I'm oh. trying to watch my girlish figure. Man, mm-hmm. time to pump my butt up. Thank you. I'll start feeding it that. There you I'll, go. I'll tell you though, they're not great. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's 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 it doesn't have the magic of a you know a Wonder Bread sandwich mm, that is okay. a a PB and J. PBJ, yes, yes, they yes, do yes. PB PBJ over in in Germany, right? 
we don't call it this and we don't really do it now. Uh, but we enjoy Nutella. I like an open-faced Nutella up in this grill. Uh, it's very good. Uh, That's just candy. Oh, yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> so you're just putting it on bread? It's candy on bread? Is this not delicious? Imagine some peppermint No, patties. I hear you, but yeah, okay. I, I feel like this is a, a, a step further. It's like like if you're eating a somewhat – like if you're eating Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah. And then you go to like fucking Cocoa Puffs. Like mm. these are both cereals, but one of them is more an advanced fuck you to your body than the other. Yeah, uh, but one of those sounds healthy. Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, a Bumblebee is your sponsor. And it says something about grains on the front. Oh, wonderful. Same thing with Nutella <laughs> on the bread. It's like, oh, the bread is whole grain. Oh, but here comes some carbohydrate diabetes on it. Who cares? Just see it. <laughs> well, yeah. Flula, this is usually the point in the show where we allow our guests to talk about whatever they're working on next. Like, uh, what can you tease about your forthcoming projects? Uh, zero things. Uh, oh, I, I, there's a show called The Rookie, uh, which is very good. Uh, and it's not, uh, It's. I thought it was about uh, like a Chewbacca spinoff. It's not. Uh, it's starring Nathan Fillion. It's mm. very good. Uh, you should watch it. I think I was in it. I'm not certain. Someone has told me I may have been in it. Um, I don't <laughs> remember because as we have uh, established, my brain uh, doesn't remember things. So yeah. no javelin spin-off movie as of well i like that you said spin-off very good it's a javelin which can be spun and so i like this i would love this very much let's call it into existence uh everyone in hashtag oclexus please uh let's notify hbo max and let's make this happen you have our support you have our axe yeah great oh perfect we'll start a petition for this Uh, (laughs) great what about you guys do you have some other plugs you want to plug no don't get covid don't get COVID. <laughs> it's okay. a fucking bummer, dude. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my tagline. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, 800,000 dead. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking bummer. Uh, oh, don't do man. that. But don't do uh, we are thrilled that you came back. We hope you'll come back again. Count and me in. Uh, this was uh, completely magical. I, uh, I'm not surprised by that. I, I expect you to deliver that magic when you came here today. And you did. So. Thank you very much. I did nothing. Thank you very much. Uh, send me your mailing addresses so I can send you each a bucket of marzipan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I need a new face scrub. It, oh, it's great. It's very exfoliating as well, if, if people mm-hmm. are curious. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of gritty. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like an alternating current direct current song, yes. I want a candy bar that tastes <laughs> like a dirty beach. That's okay. what I want. This yeah. can be arranged. I'm near a dirty <laughs> beach, and I have a bag. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here again, sir. This is great. Thank you, guys. Yes. Have a nice one. Many thanks to Flulaborg for returning to the show and once again blessing us with yet another unique Flula worldview, <laughs> his unique description mm-hmm. on uh, on a Stephen King story. You never get enough of those. I think on the next one, we'll we'll loop back around a few lists somewhere up the road. Uh, he is a, a, a singular contributor to the show i mm. think maybe next time i'd like him to watch Dreamcatcher. i oh, think no. um i okay. yes oh yes I, I i i think that would be i think that would yield unforgettable results so oh, he, he's never gonna we we get him for Dreamcatcher off the back of maximum overdrive he's never gonna come back after that we gotta be gotta be careful well we won't we time. won't we we can't dip into that well too often i'm thinking like a year up the road Maybe toward the end of 2022, assuming we all survive, mm-hmm, look back mm-hmm. around and say, Flula, I'm going to need you to watch uh, a little Dreamcatcher action. What do you know about that? And he mm. won't know what he's getting into. And, you know, that's perfect. 
The problem is, is he can ridiculously describe that plot and then it won't be any more ridiculous than the plot actually is. <laughs> That's why I picked it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And also, uh, thank you to everyone for listening to this entire episode uh, right through our first mid-roll ad break. This is a, a new thing for us. Uh, we tried to make it fun. Going to be happening from time to time. But, uh, you know, this is just the level of excellence that we're working at now. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing to be done about that. Yes, I, I do definitely appreciate that uh, a nutritional company thought that we would be the best most people mm-hmm. for their product. Tweedledum uh, and Tweedledee over here. Right. We, we are round gentlemen. Uh, but, you know, we have they do send this the, the behind the scenes. They do send us this stuff to test out and we wouldn't have uh, agreed to do it if we didn't like actually. Like, yeah, doing it doesn't it, taste you know? bad. It right. doesn't taste bad. And and frankly, we could all use more vitamins. <laughs> I'm fucking door dashing everything every day for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, like, give me, yeah, give me some of that. So let's look at the future, shall we? Yes, um, yes, yes. Let's start with what our next week's main feed up is. And uh, this is going to be a very good episode. We literally just recorded it today. So I can tell you, while it's still fresh on my mind, uh, it's a really fun episode. And it mm-hmm. is all about the Rage Carry 2. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. What I really like about this conversation uh, and our guest is a known genre screenwriter, kind of a fresh genre screenwriter. I'll I'll say that climbing the ranks. Um, What's interesting about it is this kind of ended up framing uh, Carrie too, amongst uh, other like generational horror, you know? So we, we talk about its place in the horror as a, as a generational thing, like from the slasher evolution to, kind of the late nineties horror, which is very much what the rage carry two is and kind of what horror is today and how it informed it and how it might be a little bit ahead of the curve in some aspects. Yes. And there are many digressions. You're going to hear about uh, dicks being blown off with spear Mm -hmm. guns. Mm -hmm. That's true. You're going to hear about uh, unfortunate late nineties male necklaces. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear about CD killings. We are going to go in depth about uh, former child stars, domestic abuse charges. Yeah, you're going to get a little home improvement chatter in there. Uh, (laughs) Despite what you might want, you're going to get it. (laughs) Uh, The the episode itself is longer than the movie itself, but we have a a newcomer to the show who I was just enchanted by. I thought they did a great job, a valuable new guest to have on call for this show. I believe and an exciting uh, new voice in the horror world as well. So I think y'all are going to love it. Even if you don't love Carrie too, which you shouldn't. Cause I don't love Carrie too, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't love it, you know, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's, but it's worth a, episode. it's worth a watch just a, sure. in the sense that it is a time capsule. And then, um, this Friday on the Patreon, oh, where do I start? A, a Stephen King novel that most of us don't talk about or really ever bring up is Elevation. Hmm. And uh, we had been talking to this particular guest who is a, a former coworker of mine. She wrote a thing or two for BMD back in the day when that was in operation. And uh, I suspected that she might have a particular take on this material for a variety of reasons. And brought her in to talk elevation, which uh, you may or may not have read, but this is, it's playing in the same wheelhouse that Brian Fuller's episodes do. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that uh, the guest knocked it out of the park. 
it's a it's a long in-depth conversation about uh, elevation and what it all might mean and what it means for the state of the country and all all kinds of shit also speaks to the trans experience which is obviously something that eric and i don't have a lot of familiarity with but we're always curious to learn more so um look forward to that it's great yeah and it's a like like scott mentioned it's a very interesting book for king because it's something he released like into the trump presidency it's something that really should only be a novella in a short story collection it's a very short small book but it was released as its own thing so we kind of dive deep in the you know debate on why he decided to release that as its own standalone yep. book in instead of you know just collecting it with a bunch of other short stories and and uh yeah it's it's a very interesting conversation i think especially for king it's fans meaty. And, yeah, it's a meaty conversation absolutely so if you're not already subscribed go over to the patreon.com backslash the king cast follow us on at kingcast 19 over on twitter and uh don't forget that we have merch available over at katet19.org they're working on some new stuff for us. And so uh, if maybe you've been wearing your KingCast jersey for the last couple of months and you're like, okay, but I need more. Guess what? Maybe you're going to get some new shit. You don't know. Secrets. Sassy secrets. Playful Sassy secrets. secrets. Uh, uh, thank you, folks, for, for being here today. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Adios. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. <laughs>